Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. And we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, 40 days. What have we learned over the last couple of weeks about 40 days? Why do I use that term? Well, as we look through Scripture, 40 days is a significant time that God uses over and again as He deals with His people. Typically, this 40-day season is a season of preparation. We could say it is a season of testing. Now, often we shy away from those kinds of things because in our religious thinking, we only see testing as a negative thing. But I'm trying to help us come around and see that God allows these seasons of testing or proving. Another word is authenticating. God is going to allow every one of us to go through some seasons. Now, it may not be a literal 40 days, okay, that you walk through, but there's that season where you know you're transitioning from one place in your spiritual journey to the next place. Life has transition. Life has seasons. And God will allow us to walk through a time of testing, proving, authenticating. Why? Because promotion comes next. When you pass a test, what do you do? You graduate to the next level. Now, remember what I've been telling you. God doesn't test or prove our faith so that he will know. He tests or prove our faith so that we will know. We need to be ready for what God is going to do next. In Scripture, after these 40-day seasons that his people have walked through, they're almost always followed by restoration, revival, or blessing. So let me ask you again today. How many of you say, Pastor, I want to go to the next season in my life? How many are ready to do that? I don't want to get stuck. How many don't want to get stuck in life? How many would say, Pastor, I want the next blessing God has for me? How many would say amen to that? Pastor, I don't want to get stuck in the middle. I want to move on to transition. See, think about this. Uh, we, we often, we, we misunderstand this. You know, when a baby is going to be born, the birth canal is the transition. The baby's been in the mother's womb, and what has happened? That child has developed to the degree that the child's ready to come into the next season or place in its life. But before it can come and, and we can hold the baby and celebrate with the baby, now we knew it was a baby already, amen? That baby was alive and well inside that mom's womb. So, so this child has been developing in one place, and now it's time for that child to go to the next place. Why? So they can keep growing. They can keep developing. They can walk in their destiny. They can fulfill their purpose. But between the womb and the room <laughs> is a birth canal, right? It's a, it's a channel. And, and, and you have to walk through that place to get to the next place. Sometime when you're walking through your 40-day transition, proving, authenticating period, listen to me, it might feel a little crowded. It might feel a little pressure. Anybody understand what I'm saying? It, it, it might, and, and hopefully you determine, I'm not going to spend all my life here. It's a transition. But we have to go through the transition to get to the next place. How many are with me? So today we're going to look at another 40-day season, a, a, a literal 40 days that was critical that saved a nation, 
that established its greatest king that allowed a young man to step into his destiny. And, and so what we're going to learn today in this season, this 40-day season, is what I call the perspective of faith. The perspective of faith. All right? So, so how do we respond? How do we respond during the season of testing and transition? Can I tell you something? You will walk through this season. How many said, Pastor, I've been through some? I've been through some. You will encounter, and, and it's an opportunity. God didn't do this, so he knows what you have. It's so you know your faith. It's so you can promote to the next place, all right? <clears throat> so we're going to look at this account in 1 Samuel 17. And uh, th- this is the account of David and Goliath. If you've been to Sunday school as a child, you heard about this, how David killed the giant Goliath with a slingshot, with a sling and a stone. It's an amazing account. This is a true account. Someone say it's true. This is not just a Bible story or a fable. This literally happened. What we want to understand is not just the surface of this. We need to look at the truths about how different people reacted to the same scenario and understand how that impacts us today. So we're, we're going to look at this. There, there were three perspectives in this account. There was the perspective of Saul and the army of Israel. There was the perspective of Goliath, the giant. And there was David's perspective. They all had the same encounter. They all saw the same thing. Some failed the test. Some passed the test. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Let's, let's remember this. What happens if you fail a test? You take it over again. Here's my advice. If the testing season was a challenge, don't keep going through it again. Pass the test. Pass the test. All right? So, so here we find three different perspectives of the same event. We need to understand how did one win and pass the test? Why did others fail the test? And it also reveals to us the strategy of Satan against your life. So we're going to learn some important things today. So I've got a lot of scripture to read uh, in this account, so stay with me. Are you ready? I'm going to read uh, 16 verses right now. So you can follow behind me. You can follow with your device or Bible. Let's read this account. This, let's, let's set the stage. Verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon, between Soka and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. All right, you see that? They're on two hills. The valley is the place of battle. All right, let's keep reading. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall, literal action, all right? Man, would he be a millionaire in the NBA? But let's keep reading. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. His armor weighed over 125 pounds, okay? He's nine feet tall. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves or protective devices, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, almost 20 pounds, just the head of the spear. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Now watch this perspective. 
They were servants of whom? What did he say? Of Saul. Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, then he says, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Now watch this. This day, I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight with each other. What was the response of Saul and the army? On hearing this, the Philistine, the, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. All right? Now, let, now David, he's going to be, here's the third person, was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was uh, old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. What did that mean? You remember that Saul, once he turned his back on God and the Spirit of God departed from him, that demonic spirits tortured him. And, and early on, David, this teenager, had such an anointing on his life as he played his harp and worshiped that they would bring him into the presence of Saul. And as he sang and worshiped, the demonic spirits would back off of Saul. So he had been going back and forth with this incredible ministry as a very young man between worshiping God before the king and tending his father's sheep. All right? So let's keep reading. Look at verse 16. How long had this gone on? How long had Goliath tested the armies of Israel? How long had this season happened? Look at this. For 40 days the Philistines came forward every morning and every evening the Philistine and took his stand, defying the army of Israel, taunting them, making his appeal. Forty days. Now, so you see Israel, you see their response, you see Goliath. Now, on the 40th day, do you think that was a coincidence? Not at all. Who shows up? Let's look at verse 17. Now, Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. That's the commander of a thousand. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army... Now watch. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions shouting the war cry. They had done that for 40 days. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine champion from Gath stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. What did he shout? His what? Watch this. Is it up here? Back up. He shouted his what? You remember that, okay? His usual defiance. David heard it. Verse 24. When the Israelites saw the man, what did they do? They all ran away from him in great fear. Verse 25. Let's watch this now. I love this. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage. And he will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. 
David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So what's happening here? I had to read all that to you. You, I, I, you, you needed to see these things. So let's look at these three things. Remember, I, we're, we're talking about a season of testing and proving, authenticating. God's desire is not for you to lose, but for you to prove your faith. Not for you to be destroyed, but for you to be promoted. Everybody with me? But allowing him to face it. Forty days they faced the test. And let's see the three reactions. What happened to Goliath? He only saw the armies of Israel. He said, I defy Israel. That's what he saw. What happened to Saul and Israel? They only saw the enemy. That's all they saw. They saw twice we read. When he comes out, they run away in fear. They're dismayed. They're terrified. So Goliath sees an army. Israel sees a giant. But when David comes, I I, I want to read the, the first person to do this. The only person to get what's really going on. What do we read in verse 26? David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Why did David immediately recognize that? Watch this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? The first person to bring God into the whole equation was David. Goliath saw an army. Israel saw a giant. David saw his God. There are going to be seasons of testing that will walk into our life and our perspective will determine everything. It will determine if we pass the test. It will determine if we reach the next level. But what happens there is a perspective. David saw what the others did not see. David recognized some things in that moment. Now, you have to understand that that Goliath was the ultimate intimidation. You realize that, don't you? The ultimate intimidation. There are going to be times, listen to me, church family, where you're going to look at a test that is intimidating. It is intimidating. Here's a battlefield. So the setting is how to intimidate an army. A man nine feet tall. A man from head to toe in armor. A man who was a warrior from his youth. A man who has slain hundreds of individuals. A man who taunts. A man who's loud. A man who intimidates. And he says, I don't want to fight everybody. Just give me one. Intimidating. Overwhelming. And the response of Israel, the Bible says, they were dismayed. That word means to be broken down. It means to be you ever, I, I'm amazed at the terms we use in our language that are from biblical setting. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm going to pieces? Dismayed, that's exactly that word. Have you ever heard someone say, I just feel beaten down? Exactly this word here. The armies of Israel were beaten down and broken to pieces because all they could see was a giant. But a little shepherd boy walks out and hears him one time. They had heard 40 days and had their chance. Do you know what I've discovered in life? If I don't pass my test, God may bring somebody in who will pass the test. If the first generation out of Egypt can't take the promised land, God will raise another generation up. How many of you want to say with me today, I don't want someone else to pass my test. I don't want someone else to get my promotion. I don't want someone else to take my place. How many can say amen to that? I believe Calvary's in North Alabama to do something mighty for God. And I don't want to forfeit my moment to somebody else. What happened? What happened? 
The Bible told us that Saul, the Spirit of God, had departed from Saul. But we read in 1 Samuel 16, 13, that as, that as the Samuel came and poured the oil on David's head and said, this is God's choice, the Bible says the Spirit of God came on him and never left him again. Do you know how you see God when everybody else sees giants? The Spirit of God's on your life. Do you know how you go to work and don't fall to pieces? You went to work with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you know what happens when your prodigal sons and daughters are driving you crazy and the devil wants you to go to pieces and be dismayed and terrified? You look at that situation with the Spirit of God in your life and you know that God is able to do what he said. Anybody with me in this situation? Goliath was intimidating. Let me let let you in on a secret about Satan's strategy. You want to get a little insight about your enemy? Let me help you today. Do you know that intimidation is always Satan's first choice? Do you know why? Because he's already been defeated. He's already been defeated. Do you know what? Satan doesn't want to engage you in battle. He wants you to quit before the battle. He knows that the name of Jesus is above every other name. He knows that in the name of Jesus, that 90-pound, 90-year-old grandmother can whip him up one side and down the other. He knows that in the name of Jesus, that 8-year-old child can call on his name and defeat the demons that have risen up against him. He knows that in the name of Jesus, you don't need an army. You just need one yielded person who will stand on the Word of God. So what he wants to do is intimidate you, cause you to run from the battle. That's his strategy always, intimidation. You know what I've learned in life? Just because somebody has the loudest voice doesn't mean they've got the juice to back it up. Just because everybody else says it doesn't mean they've got enough to do something about it. The devil always chooses intimidation. Now, we, we, we've got to learn something here. I've, 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 read, I've been really digging in this chapter and working on this. And, 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 and twice Goliath is called the champion of the Philistines. The champion. He's their champion. But when I did a little research on that word, I was quite surprised. But it makes perfect sense. Another way you could translate the word champion is literally middleman. What does that mean, middleman? Well, see, he represented this army against this army would go in the middle. He was a representative. He was the middleman. Now watch this. We have to understand when you're walking through the test, when the devil's trying to intimidate you, what you're hearing, listen, listen, what you're hearing When Goliath is, what you're seeing when he's strutting, listen to me, he's just the middleman. Are are you with me? It's not about the personality, it's about the principality. See, the Bible tells us, let's go to Ephesians 6. Let me show you some verses here. I want you to read this with me. Think about this middleman. Look at this. Watch, watch. Here's the battle. Here's the real battle. Finally, finally, at the end of this thing, If you want to get to the bottom line, are you with me? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Read the next verse. Put on the full armor of God, not earthly armor. What do we get from God? Why? So that you can do what? Take your stand. Not be terrified, not be dismayed, not run from the battle line, not broken down, not in pieces. Take your stand against what? The devil's schemes. Schemes. The devil prophets and schemes the devil plies in schemes he is intimidator all right for our struggle 
The King James says, we're not wrestling with Goliath. We're not wrestling with the personalities that, that we get focused on in life, right? But what are we wrestling with? What is our struggle against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil? Not in heaven, but in the heavenly realms. That means in this spirit world. So you understand what's happening here? Goliath is hard to overlook. Let's be real. The, the, the challenge is hard to overlook. But what you need to understand, get this, he's just the middleman. He's just the middleman. He's just the representative. He's been sent from hell, but hell's been defeated. He's been sent from hell. Listen, if you know who you are and you know who your God is, if you know who you are in him, you're going to be okay. Very quickly, there's only one general of the United States military that's ever been taken captive in war. One time in the history of all of our military engagements. General Wainwright in World War II. He was over some of our forces in the Philippines. And Japan overran the Philippines so quickly in their first onslaught that many of our soldiers were captured as prisoners, even the general, General Wainwright, only general ever captured, prisoner of war. They took he and his men to a a remote Japanese prisoner camp. And for the duration of the war, they stayed there, nearly starving to death, weak, emaciated, uh, men in in rags for clothes, a horrible condition. But And they had no idea what was going on around them. But finally word came to that camp that the Japanese emperor had surrendered to the United States. And when the word reached that camp, see, the Japanese commander of that camp knew that it happened, but he never told anyone. He never told the American soldiers that their army had won. He never told General Wainwright that his army had lost. And so he kept the status quo in place until a messenger finally arrived at the gate of the camp. He said, I have good news for you. The Japanese have surrendered and America has won. They found General Wainwright and told him. General Wainwright straightened his weak and emaciated body, straightened up his ragged uniform, and walked to the office of the Japanese commandant and knocked on his door. He walked into his office and he said, Sir, my commander-in-chief, has defeated your commander-in-chief. Move from behind that desk. This camp now belongs to me. And he did it. Do you know what happens? All the devil has is a lot of middlemen yapping and trapping and strutting and intimidating. But your commander-in-chief has defeated his commander-in-chief. And Goliath is nothing but a mouthpiece. And God is just looking for someone who doesn't just see the giant, but who sees the battle behind the giant. That's how you win when you get in this thing. Now look at verse 23 with me. Oh, my Lord. What? There was one time in the Bible where time stood still. I wish I'd catch one on a Sunday, but help me, Lord. Verse 23. Watch this. I'm, I'm helping you see strategies. To win in your season, God's got things for you. Look look at verse 23. Watch this. 
We read, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines. I, I, I highlighted this earlier. What, and what did he do? Shouted his what? Do you know whatever strategy has been working against you? The devil will continue to use until you beat it. He didn't create something new every day. He just walked out for 40 days, did what he did yesterday. You know why? Because it worked yesterday. You know, the next time the devil comes around to wreck and mess up and tear up your life, intimidate you and steal your stuff, he's going to do his usual thing. He's going to shout his usual defiance. Do you know that that will be the plan until we face it and realize it's just the middleman, that God is bigger than this moment? It's the same strategy, the same thing. Anybody understand? Now, we can respond every day to the same strategy and the same intimidation, be dismayed and broken and shattered, or we, or, or we can do like David. Look, look at verse 25. What happens when we face life as David did with the Holy Spirit helping us? What's David? For? I mean, he walks in the first day. For 40 days, Israel's doing the same thing. The giant's doing the same thing. David walks in and immediately, first question, watch this, verse 25. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He'll give him his daughter in marriage. His family won't pay taxes. Now, David didn't know that. He hadn't been there to hear that. Verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace? Listen, David got it. This is a test. This is a test. It's not God's plan for us to die in this valley. It's not God's plan for that ugly, stinky, giant Philistine to be over us. And so everybody else was looking at the giant. Watch this. He wasn't cocky or arrogant. He just saw what was going on. He walks and he says, so here's this kid. Look, all these arms. He goes, uh, first question. So what do I get if I kill him? What are you going to give me when I kill him? And I mean, he's smart. He knows you're going to kill him <laughs> because he's defied the armies of Israel. So before I go kill him, what am I going to get? You know what he said? His eye was on the prize. <laughs> See, they're looking at the test, and he's looking at what am I going to get when I graduate. He already knows. See, see, you know, if, you, if you're in the ninth grade, and, and, and you know you're going to graduate from high school, you'll make a deal with your dad. Dad, when I graduate, I want you to go see C.D. Cunningham and buy me a new Honda. You understand what I'm saying? Now, you don't make that deal unless you plan on graduating. If you're not going to graduate, you've you got to think of another way to get a car. But if you know you're going to graduate, you say, what's my prize? What do I get on the other side of this thing? What do I get? David says, what is going to be mine? See, he sees that. So, so in other words, listen, he said, what happens when I pass the test? That's what he asked him. What's going to happen when I pass this test? Now, look at verse 28. I've I, I got to help you with this because this is, this is going to happen. Remember his older brother? Verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him. Isn't that crazy? And asked, why have you come down here? Now watch. Not only he was mad at David for asking, now he's going to insult him. Watch. And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? Who's taking care of your little penny any job while you're here? See? Right there. Resented it. Insulted him. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. L- let me just help you with this. Every time you're in a test, every time you're transitioning, every time it's authenticating your 
faith so you go to the next level, there will always be someone like Eliab who will walk into your life. There will always be that person. Listen, and why did Eliab resent David? Listen to me. There will always be people who have accepted defeat. And they are resentful of those who are reaching for the victory. When you settle in life, when you settle, when you say the transition is my destiny, you're intimidated when somebody says the victory is my destiny. Can I tell you something I learned in life? Watch your language. Watch your conversations. Watch what you listen to, what you watch on television, what you hear on on social media. Because this is what I learned. Listen, listen, listen. Losers talk about winners. And winners talk about winning. I'm going to say it on this side over here. What are you digesting regularly into your life? Losers always talk about winners. Has anybody, let me see your hand. I'm going to help you. Has anybody ever talked about you? Let me see your hand. Anybody ever put you down? Give somebody a high five right now. You know why they talked about you? Because you're a winner. Come on, give the other person a high five. Come on, just do it again. Losers talk about winners. You know, it used to bother me. Now I'm like, hallelujah, I must be doing something right. Used to bother me. I, you know, used to get to me. Why are they talking about? And they're going, why, why are they talking about me? I don't know why they're talking about me. And he even got phrases, you know, all that crazy stuff. I don't want to hear my name in your mouth. I don't. Say it again, George. G E O R G E S A W Y E R. Let me hear it again. You can put it in there anytime you want to. Probably the best thing you said all day. Because losers talk about winners and winners talk about winning. David said, all the losers, did you see the giant? Did you see how big he was? Did you, ja, 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 ja. David says, so what I get when I kill him? Winners talk about winning. Losers talk about winners. So you just got to get it straight. All right, we're all right with that. Somebody talked about you? Shake your hand. We got to wrap this up. That doesn't mean in the next minute, but I'm trying. So how did he do this? That's the important thing. How did he do this? How did he respond to the test that everyone else failed? We saw what he did, but how did he do it? Why did he do it? Here's a little insight. let's, Let's look at verse number 31. So we find here what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. Saul was the king. Saul sent for him. They've been waiting. Somebody fight this giant. Somebody said, I heard this kid. All right. Verse 33. Or verse, pardon me, 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from his youth. You know Saul was disappointed. Come on, tell the truth. They said, Saul, we found somebody to go fight him. He's waiting for, you know, Hulk Hogan or, you know what I'm saying? Somebody, you know, come in here, you know, one, one of the Avengers. No, it's a low David. That's him? He said, you can't do it, son. Look at verse 34. How did he do it? Why was he there? You've got to understand this. Chapter 17 of 1 Samuel is not the first time David passed a test. Chapter 17 of 1 Samuel was not the first time David had trusted God. All right? So, so he says, uh, uh, 
But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Then that's where the eye roll came. You know, Saul goes, oh, yeah. Right? When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I, I went after it. Struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Now, come on. Think about that for a minute. Here's this teenage boy with a stick in his hand. Grabbing a lion by the head, killing him, grabbing a bear. I mean, come on, lion and bear, run for your life. Tell the truth. Live for another, you know, live another day. Verse 36, watch. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Watch. Because he was seeing what other people weren't seeing. Remember, look. Because, see, David wasn't arrogant. David wasn't stronger than anyone else. Are you with me? This is what he knew. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. He said, God's just looking for somebody. The devil's got a middleman named Goliath. I'm going to volunteer to be God's middleman. He said, the battle's the Lord's. Okay. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Come on, now watch this. We're going to learn something here. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic, tried walking around because he was not... What? Okay. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand and approached the Philistine. Now watch this. What did, what did Goliath been doing to those failing the test for 40 days? His usual defiance. David says, I believe the battle is the Lord's. I'm willing to volunteer. He's seeing what's really going on. Saul says, well, put on my armor. Come on, watch this. And David tried it, and he said, no, I'm not used to this. Now, listen to me. If you and I are going to win this battle against some giants and go to the next place, won't you listen to me? You better carry something into it that you're used to. That better not be the first time you pray. That better not be the first time you find your Bible and have to blow the dust off and you cough and choke. It better not be the first time you get your phone out and can't find that version app. David said, I, David said, I've got some things I'm used to. David said, watch, I've got some things that I've already proven. I've brought, watch, I've brought some things with me out of the test I've already been through. What, what do you got? You understand it? You, it? Listen, what have you already proven? If I never pass a test, I'd never have anything to take with me from the test. If I never believe God, I don't know. Listen, before you get your PhD, you've got to get your BIG. What does that mean? Believe in God. See, I'm never, I'm never going to graduate up here unless I've learned to graduate down there. I have to have something I'm used to. What works for me? What do I know? What's comfortable? See, the good news is I don't have to kill him the way you would kill him. Isn't that a blessing? You don't have to use the weapon that T.D. That Jakes uses. 
You don't have to use the weapon that Kenneth Copeland uses. You don't have to use the weapon that fill in the blank uses. You've got to know what your weapon is. What are you used to? What have you tested? What do you know? What, what's come with you? What's proven and true? See, see, you, you're passing a test. What I'm saying is, what's your test, Amoni? What's your test, Amoni? I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And the devil thought he had me and it looked like it was over. But God came through for me. I prayed. I fasted. I sought the Lord. I hung in there. It was hard. It was rough. And what the devil used to destroy me, God has brought me through. I've got a testimony. What am I used to? See, you, you, you may have a scar. That's all right. I've taught you before. The wound that kills you never makes a scar. Because your body... It's dead and it doesn't do the thing. But the fact I've got a scar, it means the devil took his best shot and it didn't knock me out. It made me bleed a little. My head spinned a little, but I'm on my feet and it's healed and I got a scar. And the next time the devil knocks on my door, I just say, see that buddy, you already tried. Come on, let's do this thing. You may have a scar. You know, in fact, remember, remember, there's so much here. Remember that the Philistines are on one mountain and the Israelites are on another mountain. And Goliath walks into the valley and says, come on, I want somebody over here. And David runs in there with his slingshot. Maybe that's what he remembered when he wrote Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, it comforts me. Then he said, then he said, listen, if you're going to have a, 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 a supernatural meal, you've got to have an enemy. He says, and thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemy. It, Psalm 23 may have come right out of this situation. Have mercy. I've got to stop. I, 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 mean, I hadn't got to the heat. We've we got to kill the guy. Come on, let's, let's look at this thing. We got to kill him. I mean, you can't. Verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, Why, he, David, got it. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. You're nothing but a loud mouth middleman, but I serve the God of gods and the King of kings. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. This boy's prophesying. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air, the beasts of the earth. I want my praise and worship team to come. That doesn't mean you leave. I want my praise and worship team to come. Come on, hurry, hurry, hurry. Listen, I will, look, watch, watch, watch. To the And look at this. The whole world will know that there is a God. Everything was about God. God, God, God. All those gathered here will know 
that it is, are, are you reading? Come on, come on, don't, don't, don't miss this. All will know it is not by sword, it is not by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Listen, listen, listen. David did not defeat Goliath by the way he fought. David defeated Goliath by the way he fought. You understand that? It wasn't how he fought. It wasn't sword or spear. You know the rest of the account. He runs at the giant. Puts the stone in his sling. He lets it go. Goes into his head. He falls to the ground. He runs over the giant. And he's dead. And he pulls the giant's big old spear. Can you see David? His sword. And cuts the giant's head off. You know what happens when you pass the test? Listen. The very thing the devil tried to intimidate you with. I know this is kind of gory. I know some of you PC people are going to be uncomfortable with this. But he cuts his head off, grabs him by the hair. Listen, the thing that intimidated you is going to become your next trophy. The thing the devil did to destroy you, are you ready? Listen, what do you get when you pass the test? They give you a diploma. It's a bad-looking diploma. That boy walked around holding in his hand. I meant your memory is a victory. He's God Almighty. I want you to stand with me. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Come on, stand. Guys, get ready. Remember, I want you to put this uh, raise a hallelujah up here for a minute. Now listen. Listen, listen, listen. God always begins right where you are with what you have. Did you? David, David had a sling and a rock. God says, good enough. Are you with me? Good enough. God always begins right where you are with what you have. But l- listen, watch this real quick. I-, I want you to understand you have something right now to pass the test you're in and kill the giant you're facing. It's right with you right now if you recognize and use it. So I want to read these words. I want you to get it. See, when we do praise and worship here, we're not just doing a religious activity. Well, we have to sing before we do it. No, we're speaking the word of God. We're, we're inviting God into the atmosphere. We're creating a holy place for heaven to come. So, so watch this. What's your weapon? I raise a hallelujah. Where? Remember Psalm 23? Oh, God's setting a table in the house right now. Come on. In the presence of the enemy. Come on, let's go next. I raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. Come on. I raise a hallelujah. What is my weapon? A weapon is what? Leave it there. My weapon is what? A melody. A melody. How many have breath in your mouth right now? Let me see your hand. How many have a... Okay. You have a weapon right now. It's this song we're about to sing. And I want you to sing this song like David threw that stone. Are you with me? Come on. Let's keep going. Let, let me, let's look a little more. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Even that what David said? The battle is the Lord's. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. He's running before Goliath ever fell down. Louder. And louder. Come on. You're going to hear my praises whisper. Roar. Why? Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Come on. Death is defeated. King is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. Come on. We got to go for this thing. I watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah. Listen, in the middle of the mystery, sometimes I don't understand it. You ever not understood it? Sometimes it doesn't make sense. 
I don't like it. I don't understand it. I want it to go away. But in the middle of it, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Fear. Lost your hold on me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.